The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the founder and producer of the podcast. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating rating so that people can find us when they're looking for help with addiction. Also check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, and again, give us a thumbs up on our videos so that Google will help people find us when they need help with addiction. Also, we are requesting donations to help us keep this podcast going. So the link is in our in the show notes as to how you can become a member and contribute. Today's episode is episode number 349, and today we have two gentlemen on the podcast that we have had on before. Ed Bish is a father who lost his son at age 18 to an OxyContin overdose. Prior to that, he had never even heard of OxyContin and had no idea that it was anything that he needed to worry about. He appeared on an MSNBC special called The Forgotten Epidemic. And also, Ed has most recently been working on working to raise awareness and calling for the DOJ to prosecute the Sacklers after his son's death, Eddie. The Sacklers, as you may know, are the family that owns Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharma lied about the addictive qualities of OxyContin. And as a result, many people died of overdoses of OxyContin. We also have on the podcast tonight, Rick Mountcastle, and we have had Rick on before. Rick Mountcastle served as a federal prosecutor for more than 32 years, first at the Department of Justice and later at the U.S. Attorney's Office for the West District of Virginia. As a senior trial attorney in DOJ's criminal task enforcement section, he prosecuted criminal tax cases throughout the United States. He was the lead prosecutor on several high-profile healthcare fraud cases, including the first Purdue Pharma prosecution, featured in the Hulu series Dope Sick. The criminal and civil false claims prosecution of Abbott Laboratories for the fraudulent marketing of the anti-epileptic epileptic Depakote and the Universal Health Services, Inc. False Claims Act litigation. Rick previously served four years as an active duty Army JAG officer and 24 years as a National Guard and Army Reserve JAG officer. They are going to talk to us today about what's happening with getting the DOJ to take some action against the Sacklers for this epidemic of painkiller overdoses. And they're going to also talk to us about the rally that was held in DC recently. So let's talk to Ed Bish and Rick Mountcastle. So Ed Bish and Rick Mountcastle, welcome back to the Addiction Podcast. I am excited to have you both back on again, because I know that you guys continue to fight the good fight against the addiction pandemic, I call it, in this country. And you're targeting the correct sources on it, which I think is important. But Ed, tell our listeners a little bit of your background and how you got involved in this whole thing. Uh, thank you, Joni. Yeah. Um, it's a long story because 2001, my 18-year-old son went to a party, took an Oxycontin, went to sleep, never woke up. 
the very first time I heard the word Oxycontin, my son was lying in his bed dead. And um, I've been on your show before, so anybody who really wants to know 20 years of my story, please go back and listen to that. But so fast forward, here we are. Uh, that was 2001, 22 years later. I'm losing track. <laughs> and the battle still goes on. Uh, initially, I wanted just to warn kids not to do Oxycontin because it was deadly. But as I learned more and more about the company, Purdue Pharma, and eventually their owners, the Sacklers, who I actually call the Sackler Cartel, um, my mission is fold. Warn about Oxy and expose Purdue Pharma and the Sacklers to the world with their lies and crimes. And, you know, Ed, I just personally want to commend you for all the work that you've been doing because I I cannot quite imagine the pain of losing a child. And I don't know whether I would want to fight back or whether I would just want to give in to the grief. But I know we've spoken to other parents who definitely don't want to give in to the grief and want to fight back and want to make sure that it doesn't happen to other parents. And I commend you for doing that. Well, I, I would encourage any parent to get active, no matter what it is, because it, it has helped me. And, you know, I, I did hit a burnout period where I got away from it and I didn't watch any news whatsoever. But then in 2018, Massachusetts and Mara Healy filed a lawsuit and they put it online. It was public. And I read that lawsuit. I said, oh, my God, they got them. They got them. And I called up, you know, I found it in 2003. I found it rat relatives against Purdue Pharma. And after reading that lawsuit, I called up original rat members. And I and I know I told them, I said, look, we got to get active again. And uh, so since 2018, we've been very active. and. The battle goes on, and uh, it's going all the way to the Supreme Court. And we are definitely going to talk about that, but I appreciate all the work you do. Rick, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, for those uh, listeners who are not aware, Rick's um, Rick was portrayed by Peter Sarsgaard in the Hulu series Dope Sick. And if you have not seen Dope Sick, you need to do that. Because that is, it is, I guess you would call it a docudrama because it is based on a true story, but it does have stars like Peter Sarsgaard and Michael Keaton, but it's something, it's an educational series that you should watch. But Rick, how did you get involved in this whole Purdue Pharma thing? So Joni, uh, thank you for having me on the show again. I appreciate it. Uh, and it's especially an honor to be on with my friend, Ed Bish. Um, so um, I'm a retired federal prosecutor. And one of the cases that I did way back when, I was the lead prosecutor on the first Purdue Pharma investigation and prosecution. And we, um, we investigated Purdue for about four years from 2002 to 2006 uh, for fraudulently marketing OxyContin. They marketed it through with lies, they lied about the fact they 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 told was that it was 
less addictive than other drugs. In fact, they claimed that it had uh, virtually no addictive qualities. Which less than point. 1%, I believe. Yes, which was a flat-out blatant lie, uh, and they knew it. They also uh, fraudulently marketed it as being less subject to being abused, um, you know, abused in terms of overused, used outside of the prescription, or even crushed and snorted or injected. And that was another blatant lie. Uh, and they got the FDA to buy into that lie with some language in the label. So um, back in the late 1990s, I was in the US Attorney's Office in the far Western corner of Virginia. And we were experiencing a devastating impact from OxyContin, from, from its uh, prescribing and its street use uh, on the community. And our office decided, we decided, myself and Randy Ramsire, my co-counsel, decided we would open up a, an investigation at Purdue Pharma to figure out what it was going on. So after four years, uh, we were ready to, to prosecute both the company and its top three executives for serious felonies. And as is shown in Dopesick, which is, is pretty accurate in terms of what we found in our investigation and what happened to the case, um, we got uh, basically, uh, uh, our legs got cut out from under us by political, um, the political leaders at the Department of Justice. And those political leaders um, refused to allow us to prosecute the three top executives to the fullest. And at that time, the three executives were the CEO, Michael Friedman, the general counsel, Howard Udell, and the medical director, uh, Paul Goldenheim. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash BIT dot LY slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us.
And had we been able to prosecute them to the fullest extent that they deserved, which was was with serious felonies, we suspected that one or more of them would have rolled on the people that were really calling the shots, which we were pretty, you know, which which is it's clear, it's obvious that that was the Sackler family. Right. But but um, through a series of political moves and maneuvers, they refused to allow us to prosecute those three individuals to the fullest. We did salvage misdemeanor prosecutions of them. But of course, with a misdemeanor, they had no incentive to roll over on the people that were really calling the shots. Right. So that case was brought to court and, and ended in 2007. Um, and uh, lo and behold, Dope Sick comes out and um, I get contacted by numerous folks, uh, podcasters like yourself. Yep. Uh, Ed Bish and I, uh, we met up, we, we met in Richmond at one a screening of um, Dope Sick. And uh, somehow we ended up joining forces and deciding, hey, work is not finished. Justice has not been provided to all of the victims, all of the people who became addicted to uh, opioids as a result of the lies that were told by the Sacklers and their lieutenants about OxyContin. And no justice still has not been provided to those people who have been devastated, those families who have been devastated by those lies. And so that's what Ed and I are continuing to fight for. We're, we're continuing to fight for justice because as, as we're gonna discuss, Purdue got convicted again in 2020. Now they're a two-time felon. They're a two-time drug dealing felon. And still no individual has been held accountable for that criminal conduct. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's just, it is, it's just disgusting. It's disgusting from the very first time you wanted to prosecute and because of political maneuverings, as you put it, you were not allowed to do that. It, when you watch that show and you watch all of the facts and the research and the investigations that you did, and it was obvious, it's obvious to everybody watching it that they should be prosecuted. Why it wasn't obvious to the people in DC? Well, never mind. I shouldn't say that. I know how that works. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not totally stupid when it comes to politics. So I do understand. Yeah. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast. Point of no return. For more information on the podcast, or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. So, but wasn't there some kind of settlement? Did, I mean, I think people think it was over when there was a settlement. Wasn't there, Ed? Wasn't there a settlement? Okay, so we'll bring you up the data. Any anything involving Purdue is it's never easy. Uh, of course. So not. make a look. Make a long story short. Twenty eighteen, Mara Healy filed her lawsuit naming the Sacklers. Put the evidence online. Soon there was over 2,600 lawsuits against Purdue and the Sacklers. Not all of them involved the Sacklers, but a lot of them did. So Purdue 
first thing they did, they tried to settle. And they they demanded civil immunity for the Sackler family. They actually tried to get criminal immunity. They were turned down in Cleveland, and it's called a multi-district litigation, a big, big lawsuit. They were turned down there, so they decided to declare bankruptcy. Okay? So, everybody knows where Purdue Pharma is. It's in Stanford, Connecticut. Where did they declare bankruptcy? They declared bankruptcy in White Plains, New York. Hmm. Why? Because there is only one bankruptcy judge in White Plains, New York. It's called judge shopping. All they had to do was open a one-room office with probably no one in there, an address, and they were able to pick their bankruptcy judge. Okay? Like I said, it's called judge shopping. It was wrong. He made a big stink about it. Other people made a big stink about it. Since then, New York State has changed the law. You can no longer judge shop like that in New York State. But other states, you can still do. Wow. So Purdue got to pick their judge. So the bankruptcy starts. On day one, this judge, Robert Drain, First thing he did, he stopped all 2,600 lawsuits against the Sacklers and Purdue. Wow. Okay. That week, two of the Sacklers were supposed to be deposed in separate lawsuits, which potentially could have revealed evidence of their crimes. Judge Drain stopped it. Wow. The very first hearing, I tuned in to listen. And we, we got in a little late, and I'm listening, and my wife says, who's talking? I says, oh, it has to be a Purdue lawyer. Well, we kept on listening, and I said, oh, my God, that's the judge. Wow. This was on day one of the trial. Oh I, I knew we were in for a long ride then. So the bankruptcy took three years to hammer out. States were holding out for more money, okay? So they were holding out for more, more money. So Judge Drain, some of the things that he could have done, and I have a list here. This is from a law professor, okay? Yep. Some of the things he could have done, Judge Drain, he could have let a couple of the lawsuits proceed to determine how culpable the Sacklers were in the opioid epidemic. Right. He didn't do that. Big, complicated cases like Purdue Pharma usually have an examiner to oversee it, like the Enron. The Enron was a big case. Yeah. Allegations of crimes. <clears throat> got Purdue Pharma, over 500,000 dead, over a half million dead. Over a million dead since OxyContin was launched. And Judge Jones says, oh, we don't need an examiner. So, you know, that's just like two of the things Judge Drain could have done. There, there's a whole list of other things. From where I sat, every major decision in the bankruptcy case went the way of Purdue Foreman and the Sacklers. You got to wonder why, don't you? You got to just wonder. I wonder if this had anything to do with it, Joni. So after three years, 
Judge Drain signs off on the deal, giving the Sacklers what they wanted. I called this a bankruptcy scam from the start. Yep. Because when I first read Purdue was going out of business, I was happy. I was like, oh, yeah, finally. I started reading the article, and like the third paragraph down, it says, the Sackler family is demanding immunity, civil immunity, for their family and about a thousand other people involved with them, anybody involved with OxyContin. And I read that, and I said, this is a bankruptcy scam. Yep. So Judge Drain gave them what they wanted after three years. Okay? So the bankruptcy got appealed. The first judge says, no, this is illegal. You can't do it. It went to the Second Circuit. In the meantime, Judge Drain retired six years early as a judge. Judges don't do that. A couple months after he retired, he takes a job at a law firm, one of Purdue Pharma's law firms that represented Purdue in a multi-billion dollar case, and he goes to work for it, for them. Wow. It was unbelievable. Wow. I mean, it, ge- it generated, it only generated two national stories that I know of, but it was outrageous. Wow. So then the second appeal, Purdue won. So then the DOJ, the, the arm of the DOJ is the U.S. trustee that ha- handles bankruptcy. They actually petitioned to the Supreme Court. So that's where we are now. We're going to the Supreme Court. Arguments are in December, December 4th. It's a Monday. People can listen to the Supreme Court. I will be posting online. I will email you guys how to listen to this December 4th argument. Yep. But there's. You know, and Judge Drain, and and I I pray the Supreme Court asks some hard questions. You know, I mean, Rick, weigh in on some of this. What, what, how does this all seem to you? I mean, you, you know how this is supposed to go. Yeah, so um, I would, I think you're going to, you may be able to post a link to it. Um, online, but uh, Mike Michael Quinn is a lawyer in New York who's representing uh, a lady named uh, Ellen Isaacs who lost her son to an OxyContin overdose, and she is objecting to the bankruptcy. Mike Mike Quinn is representing her pro bono, which means for free, right? And he, uh, on her behalf, wrote a brief to the Supreme Court that I think anybody that wants to know what happened and what's going on, you can re- take a look at that brief. It's very easily readable uh, and it's in plain language, unlike most lawyers works. <laughs> uh, and it lays out what the problems are with this bankruptcy. And I think the one thing to clarify, the first issue here is that the the Purdue is the entity that has filed for bankruptcy. Basically, it's called Chapter 11, theoretically, to reorganize, to take care of all of its debts and be able to continue operation. But what is the main crux of this bankruptcy, the main point of it, is that 
the, the bankruptcy plan that Judge Drain approved provides for the individual Sackler family members who have not filed for bankruptcy, who have $11 billion overseas, so they don't, they're not bankrupt, they're not in any kind of condition where they could be bankrupt, but they're going to get the benefit, the main benefit coming out of this bankruptcy, which is releases from all civil liability, even liability that, that is the result of fraud or misconduct. They will, the, what Judge Drain is proposing to allow them to do is to get releases from any liability that's related, related to OxyContin or any other opioid that Purdue manufactured and sold. So they're not even part of the bankruptcy. They don't have to file bankruptcy for Judge Drain to give them this, this release. And by the way, the other significant point is that release is broader and provides more protection than it would have provided if they had been, if they had actually filed for bankruptcy. Because if you file for bankruptcy and you get a release from your liabilities and your 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 uh, debts, you are not allowed to get a release for things that arise from fraud and criminal conduct. Right. So, so they're getting even more than a normal person who files for bankruptcy would get. And they don't even have to file for bankruptcy. And that is truly, to me, outrageous and unfair and a lack of any kind of justice. And unethical. I would say, on the part of a judge, it sounds unethical to me. Well, and... And maybe you don't want to say that, but I said it there. Okay. Well, no, I, I will say that, you know, if it if it smells like a rat and walks like a rat, then it must be a rat. Exactly. Okay, that's all I can say about that. Exactly. And so December 4th, sorry, um, Ed, but December 4th is when the hearing is going to happen with the Supreme Court. Yeah, December 4th is the argument. Usually the Supreme Court will come out with the decision in June, but they might speed it up, you know, know, with the Purdue thing. We don't know. One other thing to to add to that, Joni, is that the Supreme Court has put a stay on any more, any, any further proceedings in the bankruptcy. So if they had not done that, the bankruptcy could have gone forward and they would start uh, handing out the assets and signing all the agreements. Right. So the Supreme Court has put a halt to that pending their hearing the argument and making the decision. OK. And just really quick, Ed, and the link that you sent me, Ed, is that the one for the. That is that is Michael Quinn's brief to Perfect. the Supreme Court. And like Rick said. It's written in English where the common man like myself, not a lawyer, can understand it. And it lays out, you know, one of the problems with the is these guys are all about money. They yes. weren't talking about the half million people who died. Nope. They didn't take that into account. Judge Drain did not take that into account. You, you know, you're dealing with multiple crimes here hundreds of thousands people dead and they just avoided that issue and i pray that one of the justices wants to know just how culpable are the sacklers in starting the opioid epidemic yep so that's such complicated anybody who wants to really be up on read unsettled by ryan hampton it's all about the bankruptcy scam and the shenanigans that happened behind the scenes. 
And I am very happy they are making a miniseries about this book, Unsettled. Oh, so, good. Even when it's over, it's not over. Yeah. And, nope. um, you know, December 4th, it's, and like I said, it is complicated because, you know, some people, they actually say, well, let's just move on. I say no amount of money is worth giving the architects of the opioid epidemic these releases, which is what they want. That can't they be people say, who've lost children. That can't be them that says that. Well, some of them do because oh. they want the money they to want come the money. to help those addicted now. And I understand okay. that. I get it. Yep. And it is complicated. And the the biggest single payout possible is $48,000. That's, minus that's your, ridiculous. Minus your lawyer fees and expenses. Ugh. Anybody, like my son bought Oxy on the street. He bought Oxy because there was a pill mill in Philadelphia flooding Philadelphia with pills. Purdue Pharma knew exactly about how many pills this doctor was putting out. They never said anything. Yep. But because my son wasn't prescribed it, I'm going to get zero. Yeah. Well, I'm okay with that because it's not about money for me. It's about yeah. getting getting the truth out and getting justice. Yep. And unfortunately, one of the things, one of my signs at our multiple protests, it said wrong court, DOJ prosecute. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little. And, and that's where it is. The bankruptcy, sadly, it is about money. But so much could have been done, and maybe the Supreme Court actually gets some answers. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, and I get, I got what you said, Rick, because it's like bankruptcy. I mean, yes, it can involve individuals, but this particular bankruptcy is, is a company. But we're not talking about Purdue Pharma committing crimes. We're talking about the Sacklers and the executives, the individuals have committed those crimes. So to, shuffle that under the carpet under the auspices of a of a bankruptcy uh suit is just it's it's ridiculous it's i you know wow anyway yeah let me just uh add my on guest. To that. i'm speechless uh, now <laughs> i i do i do empathize and sympathize with the the victims families who want the settlement who want to see the money go to the right places but let me just be clear that the reason that everyone's having to scramble to get this money is that the Sacklers spent, after, after the first conviction, beginning in 2008, after the company first got convicted, they said, oh, no, at some point, somebody may come after us for liability and for damages. We need to get the money out of the company as fast as it comes in and put it where nobody else can get to it. So from 2008 to 2016, they spent those nine years pulling money that was that, that Purdue was earning from its criminal conduct. OK, this is criminal proceeds. Correct. Because Purdue, under their control, pled guilty in 2020. To, crim to criminal conduct involving fraud, drug distribution, uh, and, and, and kickbacks and bribery, okay? They spent those nine years pulling the proceeds of those crimes out of the company 
and putting them overseas and overseas trust and accounts where now everybody now has to come to them and now they've got a bargaining chip to try to extort. This is this is a form of extortion. Mm-hmm. They're extorting releases from the states, from the bereaved oh. families in order to say, well, we'll dole out some of these proceeds. But it, by the way, it's only going to be it's going to be over 18 years. So we're going to give you six billion dollars, but it's not going to be a six billion dollar check. And you You're have to release have to, us from any further liability. And, and, yeah. So that's a so so those families, this is not being done for their benefit because they're being extorted. Yeah. That's that's my my view. This is flat out extortion because because the Sacklers laundered. This is money laundering when you move the proceeds of criminal conduct to a place where nobody else can get to it. That's money laundering, okay? Mm. So because they laundered the money out of Purdue, and Purdue then had no money left in its accounts, so it's so it has you know it's going to file bankruptcy because it can't pay all of its debts. Now they're extorting from the families of the the victims. They're extorting from them the releases in order to dole out over eighteen years a little bit of this money. I mean that 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 is outrage outrageous and the and the courts need to look at that because a bankruptcy court is a what, what they call it they say it's all in the case law it's a court of equity okay it's supposed to take whatever action to be fair to all of the parties and they've not done that they've they have cratered to what the sacklers want they have cratered to this the the laundering of the money from criminal activity of the company outside of the country and it cratered to the extortion of the families wow. to get these releases. Wow. Wow. So we can add extortion to the crimes of murder and fraud and everything else. Wow. It's it... going to that, Joni. I know you had asked me about our protests. So yes. this is this is a great segue. Okay. Before that, I'm going to recommend two shows, okay? The show Rick was really featured in, Dope Sick. It's on Hulu. If you haven't seen that, you need to see that. Uh, That's on Hulu. Also on Netflix, there's a show out kind of more recent called Painkiller. Now, Dope Sick is much more truer to the facts. Uh, Painkiller is more, more dramatized, but they both reveal the crimes. So after Dope Sick ran in 2021, Rick and myself, um, Dan Schneider, the pharmacist, Danny Strong, Beth Macy, we actually held a protest outside the DOJ in Washington, D.C. And, you you know, because it's complicated, but bankruptcy is about civil liability. And like I said, the Sacklers tried to get criminal immunity in the back before the bankruptcy. The DOJ said, no, we're not doing that. At least since then, Laura Healy, who's governor of Massachusetts, when she was the attorney general, she got to see all the evidence the DOJ has. She said on NPR, I've seen all the evidence, and the DOJ should prosecute. So that's what we were calling for in 2021. After that rally, we actually got a Zoom meeting with the DOJ. Now, the fact that they gave a Zoom meeting, I knew they weren't going to give us 
any updates. But just the fact that they gave us that hearing, that tells me that this case is still open and they're still looking into it. So then painkiller comes out. So in September, September 22nd, I know that day because it just happened to be my son's birthday. Mm. We went back to the DOJ. It's been almost two years since we had our Zoom meeting, and we want them to criminally prosecute. Just follow the evidence. You know, the Sacklers like to say we did nothing wrong, but let's have a trial. Let's make it public. Let's find out. One of the reasons why Purdue got away with this for so many years is every time they faced a strong case, they would just write a check and seal the evidence. And, you know, time for that. The public demands. We we need to see the evidence. Yep. We want yep. to see the evidence. And that was our message. DOJ, do your job. But, you know, it was a great rally. Rick Moncastle spoke. Dan Schneider came back. Uh, John Schinholzer, Paul Pelletier. Uh, we had a lot of big names there. and. Um, so there's a, there's two things that came out of that. And Judge Drain. So we talked about Judge Drain. He took a job. He is now working for a Purdue Pharma law firm. Basically. Yep. Yep. Okay? Disgusting. But it's not illegal. But of I am not. we we do have a petition and we we we've been talking to lawmakers saying this ain't right and they are interested. So anybody who's interested Go to www.the-curtains.com. And on there, you'll see more info about our rallies. And there's also a petition for lawmakers to do something because it's outrageous. The other thing is there's an organization, another speaker at our rally, 10-year-old Gracie Parker. You say, what's a 10-year-old talking in front of the DOJ? Well, she lost her mom, and her dad is more or less lost to drugs. She's an opioid orphan. So wow. she's speaking out. She is speaking out for the forgotten victims, the poor kids who lost their parents, who are now being raised by their grandparents or in foster care. So she started an organization called whyuskids.org. All one word, whyuskids.org. Go there. She actually wrote a book. And the story of Rat is in that book. The book's called Shattered. So if you go to whyuskids.org, you can order her book. And you can try to help Gracie, who's speaking out for the forgotten victims. And, and so going back to the Purdue Farm at Bankruptcy Scam. The victims are getting 7.5%. Almost 93% is going to the states, which is another big cluster how they're going to use this money. So people here, oh, Purdue's giving $6 billion, or the Sacklers want to give $6 billion. $6 billion over 18 years, and it's backloaded, which means they pay most of the money at the end. In the meantime, they've been collecting interest over the $11 billion 
that they transferred overseas that Rick told you about. Yeah. So they're going to pay this fine with the interest on their blood money. I call it blood money. Yep. I agree. That's not justice. That's nowhere near justice. Nope. So the bankruptcy is the U.S. trustee. The U.S. trustee stepped up. They're going to the Supreme Court. You can't go any higher. The criminal division in the DOJ needs to step up and file charges. Yep. I hope they do. Yep. Rick, anything you want to add? No, Ed's, Ed said it all there. I think uh, I think that covers it. Uh, we're, like I say, we're still fighting for justice. And, you know, no one from the 2020 case where Purdue Pharma pled guilty to those serious crimes that involved drug distribution and bribery, no individual has yet been prosecuted. Hmm. It, 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 that's, that's, um, that's, a, that's what we're fighting for. Somebody yeah. needs individuals... Uh, Purdue Pharma was not a driverless car, right. as Mike Quinn says. Right. Individuals were running that show. And the individuals that ran that company as a criminal enterprise for years and years, uh, to the point where the company has now pled guilty to serious felony charges, individuals also need to be held personally accountable and criminally accountable. And uh, the Department of Justice needs to do that. I agree. Another thing people can do, Joni, they can send an email to the DOJ. And it it doesn't have to be long. Just tell them to follow the evidence they already have. I mean, there's been over 10 books, two miniseries. Another great show is on HBO. It's called Crime of the Century. Mm -hmm. Actual documentary detailing produced crimes. The evidence is out there in plain yep. sight. Yep. And that was our message in, in Washington. And I'm proud to have Rick Moncastle stand by me <laughs> and saying, this ain't right. Do your job. Just follow the evidence. And that's that's what we're calling for. Deadly crimes should never equal just fines. That's right. And this, go, this goes back to the white-collar criminals. When, when deaths are involved, a fine is not sufficient. They just pay a fine and they keep on doing what they're doing. Yep. Purdue, after 2007, did they slow down, Joni? No, they hired, yep. a, they hired 100 more rats, continued with their lies. Sales went from $2 billion a year to $3 billion a year. Yep. In 2020, they pleaded guilty again to almost the same exact crimes they pleaded guilty to in 2007. No one went to jail. Where's the justice? No, it's not there. And I I agree with you. And what I will do is um, I will put in the show notes, the links that you gave me, and I will also put in there exactly how people can email the DOJ with the email address. And these other websites that you've talked about and the books, I will put all of that in the show notes and they can see the book in the video, but um, I'll put it all in there because I appreciate what you guys are doing so much. And, you know, we cannot let them get away with this. I mean, we just can't, you know, I mean, 
the world, um, this is maybe a horrible analogy. And if I offend anybody, I'm sorry, but the world didn't confront what Hitler was doing in Germany during World War II. And it's only now that, you know, movies come out and we learn all of the facts and the specifics. And now it's a big horrendous thing. Well, this is horrendous. They've murdered millions of people by lying about their drugs. And, you know, we have to take this opportunity to demand some sort of justice. We have to do that. I agree with you. I appreciate you guys fighting the good fight. And I appreciate you both taking the time to talk to me today. I'm uh, going to get this episode up right away because it's super important. Thank you, Joni. Yeah, thank you, Joni. I'm I I don't know what to say. The the criminal aspect of the Sackler family and the Purdue family. I mean, the Purdue Purdue Pharma, the Sackler family. The crimes that they have committed, the misapplication or just non-application of justice is, it's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. And I will be putting an email in the show notes and I will pop it up here on the screen as to how you can email the Department of Justice and ask them to please look at the facts and prosecute these people for fraud, murder, money laundering, extortion. It's all there. It's all in the facts. And they have a brief from Mike Quinn, and they just need to act on it. And in fact, it would make them look really good if they would actually do this. So I'll put the email up here, and I'm going to put the other links here and in the show notes. So if you're listening, check out the show notes. If you're watching, it's on the screen. We will be back again with another interview next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.